0: Don't walk away from your telescreen because it's time for the new Jeopardy 1999. And now here's your host, Art F114. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Don Vardo. Well, there's some exciting and valuable prizes to be won. Don, will you tell the folks at home who the contestants are?
0: Art, our returning champion is a shredding machine operator from the Ministry of Information in Sector 427. Welcome back, Danny M125. Danny, you've
1: won over $3 million. What are you going to do with that money? Uh, well, they've discovered the... Uh the cure for the disease my mother was dying from, and uh, I'm going to use the money to have her defrosted. Great. How old will she be?
0: 37. Well, good luck to you. Who's our next contestant? Don Pardo. She's a security monitor for the Osaki Kelp Works, a cheerleader for the Rocket Tennis Team, and she enjoys sex. Let's welcome Lorraine, a 270.
1: A-270, huh?
2: That's right.
1: That's funny. You don't look like an alpha. (laughs) You know, we always enjoy having test tube babies on our show. Tell us, are you having those headaches we hear so much about?
2: No, but sometimes I words say in reverse.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, good luck to you. Don Pardo, our last contestant. Art, it's a lobotomist for the Ministry of Love in Sector 753. Let's welcome Lee, P413. Do you
1: have any hobbies, Lee? I collect antique sexual devices, Art. Well, maybe you and Lorraine can get together after the show for some sex. That
2: would be yeah, cool. sounds great, I'd, like I'd to, enjoy it.
1: to join
0: you, I'd like to do that. that
1: would be okay, nice. and now it's time to play Jeopardy! 1999. <clears throat> the categories are, medicine, movies, TV, U.S. history, mutant viruses, <laughs> And nuclear accidents. Danny, you're the champion, so you begin. Uh, U.S. history for 10,000. Okay. First president to accidentally kill himself in office. Yes, Moraine.
2: Who was Gerald Ford?
1: I'm sorry, that's wrong. Remember, it says here, in office. Lee. Uh, Who was Walter Mondale? That's right, go ahead, Lee. Uh, Movies for 10,000. Movies for 10,000. Major film studio that will change name next year. Lorraine.
2: What is 20th Century Fox?
1: That's right, go ahead.
2: Okay, movies for 20,000.
1: Movies for 20,000. Original Tidy Bowl Man in TV ads, won eight Oscars. Who was Fred Miltenberg? That's right, that's right, keep on going. Uh, Medicine for 10,000. Medicine for 10,000. Legalized in 1983, it eased overpopulation. Danny. What is baby killing?
2: That's right, Danny.
1: Okay, go, Danny. Uh, medicine for 20,000. Medicine for 20. First man cloned. Lee. Uh, who is Fran Tarkington? That's right. Back I'll, to you, Lee. I'll go to nuclear accidents uh, for 10,000. Nuclear accidents, 10,000. In 1981, became first terrorist group to ransom city with plutonium. Danny, who are the Young Republicans? That's right. Go, Danny. Uh, TV for ten thousand. TV for ten thousand. Longest running show on TV.
0: Lee. Uh, what is Baba Black Sheep?
1: That's right. Okay, now Larry Lee, we're running out of time on this.
0: Okay, uh, TV
1: for fifty thousand, please. TV for fifty thousand. Comedian whose career fizzled after leaving NBC (laughs) Saturday night. (laughs) I'm sorry, it took too long on that. The correct answer is, who was Chevy Chase? (laughs) Chevy Chase. Ah, there's the bell telling us. (laughs) It's time for Final Jeopardy. Now that Final Jeopardy category is assassinations. Now remember canest, 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 canest contestants, <clears throat> you can wager all or part of your earnings. Lee, you have 10,000, Lorraine you have 20,000, and Danny you have 20,000. Okay contestants, place your wager. And while they do,
0: Don Pardo tell us what they'll win. Art All our contestants will receive the Benjamin Pocket Size Isolation Tube. Privacy is only seconds away with Benjamin. And for our male contestants, a case of Big Brother Aftershave. Women love a man who smells like Big Brother. And for the lady, the Embryo Accelerator Electromagnetic Treatment so your child will develop from embryo to adult in 18 weeks. Avoid childhood traumas. Save time and money. Another fine product from the people at Chromacon. And what home would be complete without the amazing Laser Slices, dices, or chops everything from tomatoes to diamonds. And our contestants will ease their troubled minds with the new Dial-A-Blank Electro Shock Kit. Forget anything you want with a twist of the dial. So effective you won't remember you own one. Dial-A-Blank from Leisuretronics. And our contestants will be taking home Mr. Wacky rhesus monkey torture kit for the young scientist in the family monkeys not included are
1: Thank you Don Pardo and here now is our final jeopardy answer he assassinated President Kennedy no Kennedy he was a president about 30 years ago wasn't he Perhaps you've seen something about him on your home entertainment system maybe one of you will just get lucky well let's hope so on this Okay, put those pins down. Lee, what's your answer? J. Edgar Hoover. No, I'm sorry, you're wrong on that. You wagered 10,000, that leaves you with nada. (laughs) Okay, Lorraine, your answer is Fidel Castro. No, I'm sorry, you're wrong. You wagered 15,000, that leaves you with 15,000. Danny? Who was Frank Sinatra Jr.? <laughs> That's a good guess, but no, I'm sorry you're wrong. Let's see, you wagered 10,000, that leaves you with 20,000, you're still champion!
2: Let's hear it for it. <laughs> the
1: first thing was who killed Kennedy it was Lee Harvey Oswald. That's Lee Harvey Oswald. We'll see you next week on Jeopardy 1999.
0: So long!
3: This week on the program, we've got Dan Milano, the creator of Glitch Text, the animated series that's airing now on Netflix, airing, streaming, you know what I mean. Uh, It is a wonderful show that's very inspired by real Ghostbusters, and Dan himself is a huge fan. We're going to be talking to him about his fandom, uh, how he grew up on Ghostbusters, and what Ghostbusters has done to his career and influenced uh, in his work. Uh, We've got a little bit of Lego conversation at the top, but Dan Milano coming up soon. Stay tuned.
0: Still playing with toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional crossroads,
3: The biggest podcast since 1909 So great News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters Are you the key Here are your hosts, Troy
2: Benjamin and
0: Chris Stewart You know, it's just occurred to me We really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment
2: Oh, we have fun Woo!
3: Man, I am gonna miss alex trebek this is this is that was a rough one this weekend uh i hope everybody enjoyed that little impromptu um celebration of alex trebek it's actually more of a celebration of jeopardy now that i think about it but um it's it's kind of tough it does include our uh, you know uh, a dan Aykroyd, lorraine newman uh chevy chase uh you know that guy whose career fizzled after saturday night live and steve martin so um, just very sad. I know that uh, a lot of our Canadian listeners are, are probably hurting from, from Alex Trebek's passing, but uh, that's, that's what we got. Uh, but hey, welcome to the CrossRip, everybody. Uh, we got a lot of show that I really want to jump into. We've got Dan Milano, who is uh, he created Greg the Bunny, co-created Glitch Texts, uh, the animated series that I mentioned at the top of the show on Netflix. Uh, he wrote for Robot Chicken. He wrote for Star Wars Detours, which we're going to get into a little bit. Um, just a a fun guy I've got a lot of good questions Chris has got a lot of good questions because he and his son are huge fans of of glitch tech so I don't I don't want to stall too much here but I do want to mention the Lego announcement that happened last week yes uh, the biggest news that shook the world last week uh, I'm sure everybody out there knows at this point uh, but we are here to announce officially that a Lego set of the ecto-1 from afterlife is coming uh november 15th it will be available on lego.com it is an unbelievably cool and detailed set uh, this is one for the ages everybody uh, it's huge it is uh 18 inches long let me check yeah 18 inches long eight inches high 18 inches long six inches wide, this thing is gigantic. Uh, put this on a shelf next to your Eagle Moss kit and you are out of shelf, essentially, <laughs> it's huge. Um, but weighing it at about 2,352 pieces, um, it is functional, it's got this really cool trap door in the cargo area that drops the RTV, the Remote Trap Vehicle, which is a new prop that's coming in in Ghostbusters Afterlife that I'm very obsessed and excited about as people that are subscribed to our YouTube channel can attest to or follow us on social media. Um, It also has uh, the gunner seat that pokes out from the side, uh, has the pack on it, and uh, presumably you can put a minifig on there. You know what, now that I think about it, they haven't put minifigs in any of their solicits. But I'm sure that there will be uh, minifigs that come with this, at least one or two, right? There have to be. Um, And then the the PKE sensing array, the the roof rack has uh, a bunch of functionality to it, the sniffer spins around, there's a a dial on the top that also moves the steering wheel and the steering column of the, the... car and of course the whole thing is highly detailed. It's it's modeled after the Ghostbusters Afterlife Ecto so it is uh, rusted out to high heaven and has a lot of really cool details and they promise Easter eggs and things that they have not yet revealed so that's uh, intriguing. I'm, I'm really curious what that is. So uh, if you're interested in that lego.com uh, November 15th pick it up it's gonna be uh, 199 bucks retail and I'm sure it will go fast because Lego collectors and Ghostbusters collectors alike Will want to get their hands on it but uh, i don't want to keep dan waiting any longer because i'm very excited to get into his interview here um so here we go we've got uh, dan milano the creator of glitch techs here to talk shop with us
0: alice i'm going to ask you a couple of standard questions okay
4: do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, Clairvoyance, Spirit photography,
2: telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness monster, and the theory of Atlantis?
0: What are you supposed to do? Some kind of a cosmonaut? What has that got to do with it? Back off! I'm a scientist.
5: Okay, today's guest on The Cross rip, depending on what you're watching in your spare time, is some combination of creator, writer, voice actor, and just to show off, puppeteer. From Greg the Bunny to Robot Chicken to of the Croods, you've likely seen some of Dan's work. He even helped bring Mystery Science Theater 3000 back to television screens. He's also technically part of the Star Wars universe, but the main reason he is here today is to be grilled about all the Ghostbusters references in his current creation, Glitch Tech, and his love of Ghostbusters uh which Tech's now showing two seasons on netflix dan milano thank you very much for taking the time to hang out with us
4: thank you for having me guys i i have to tell you that is the the best and most thorough introduction i have ever gotten because I, i've not been content to do any one thing for over 20 years and it <laughs> confuses so many people but um I, yeah I'm proud I've gotten to play in so many different sandboxes you know it's a,
5: it's it's, a, it's a, uh, envious that's the word I was looking for it's late and words are not coming fast but hopefully that, that's, right. You're that's not gonna be a big yeah.
4: problem tonight it's just nice to have a, a conduit for like all the um, bizarre personality quirks I had as a kid and and I found a way to make you know use of all my my uh, otherwise presumably useless knowledge. Um, including how cyclotrons work and, uh, you know, like I just turning everything, every obsession I had as a kid and having a place to put it has been, uh, just an amazing thing I've never taken for granted. I'm so grateful to be able to work with, with people like yourselves, frankly, like just so many passionate people who've all grown up as part of the same culture. And we all kind of speak this like language language. Each other understands, and it's just yes. been amazing.
5: There's a line for every uh, circumstance. Yeah.
3: <laughs> there really is. To, to There's a sure. one-liner that you can just throw in there, or quip or whatever you can, uh, uh, in regular conversation. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw the first question in, if you don't mind, Chris, just because, nope. Dan, I, I always love, no matter what guest we have on the show— Um, I always love to ask what your first Ghostbusters experience was. You know, you were a kid, you saw this movie for the first time. Or was it the cartoon? Did you see real Ghostbusters for the first time? What what was your introduction?
4: I'm in my 40s, so for me it was the movie. The first movie, Uh, I anticipated it for a long time because I was still pretty young when it came out, but my brother used to watch SNL, and I knew who, like, Aykroyd and Murray and Belushi were. Um, And at the same time, I was a big... um, Like, you know, sci-fi nerd, but I was a real scaredy cat. I was like afraid of horror movies that like, I remember Gremlins was terrifying to me. And I remember being nervous about Ghostbusters, which was a great way to experience it, actually, like to truly feel both kind of some horror and comedy, Um, because I was young enough that any anticipation was really scary to me. And I saw it at a drive-in theater (laughs) in uh, Suffolk County, New York with my best friend, Phil Altier, who I named a character after in, in uh, glitch text recently. And, um, I, I accidentally went to get popcorn and I closed the car door, uh, on his sister's ankle. Ooh. And I never felt so terrible in all my <sighs> life. I didn't know she was getting out behind oh, me no. and I was really apologetic, but I remember thinking the whole time, like, Oh God! I hope we don't have to go home from. Like, I hope we can still see the movie. Can I get <laughs> and, you ice? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. First of all, I'm so sorry. Second of all, we need to stay here. So, uh, I loved it. That was the first time I saw it. I was I was blown away by it. I had I, I was just a giddy kid, um, and there wasn't a lot of product for Ghostbusters other than like stickers. Um, this is years before the cartoon. So the, really the best I could do was eventually get my hands on the West End um, role-playing game, which was an ama- amazing like imagination jumper for me. So the, the movie, which I saw a few times, and the role-playing game, that was my jam. And I think the novelization.
2: Yeah.
5: yeah. Uh, so you're out of the club, Troy, because Dan and I now share an almost identical... Uh, introduction to the movie.
4: Did you slam the car door on my friend's leg as well? Yeah, that's the weird part. Was weirdest for her, I would imagine.
5: Some random Canadian in '84. Wham! Um, Did you, no, see you saw I, in the theater too? I saw. I saw. I didn't see it in the drive-in. I'm actually jealous that uh, man because that uh, a lot of my best childhood memories when it comes to movies are all around uh, drive-ins. Yeah. Uh this one I saw in an old theater in Calgary, Alberta. So it um and it was it was um it was pre-renovation, so it was a lot like getting to go see a movie in the old uh uh Chinese theater in LA, if wow. that makes any sense, right? They were still painting sure. like murals of uh, Chaplin on the walls and stuff like that, and everything was sticky and you didn't want to touch it, but it was uh, Yeah. <laughs>
4: Uh, I worked in a theater like that in Northport, New York. It was like an old vaudeville theater. They had turned into a one screen, uh, theater. And yeah, yeah. I love those places. That no, of no amount of steam,
5: steam cleaning can bring those places back. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes, exact same thing. Uh, the role playing game was the next step. I remember oh. playing that on the school bus with friends. And I think I've mentioned it here before. I, my brain absolutely exploded. I think it was, uh, was it Scared Stiffs? Because part of the Scared Stiffs they yeah. wrote that at the convention the Ghostbusters were gonna roll up, and say hi, and I was just like, More well, Ghostbusters?" And then <laughs> yeah, the, the brush, the, the brush off, and I was, <laughs> 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 and I was like, Oh, come on!" But uh, yeah, so, yeah, they
4: came out with a couple of great modules that were like good jump starters, but being from Northport, Long Island. Um, I, we created our own franchise. It was like, the, we, and we incorporated our hometown and, and, um, all the home locations into our game. And it was just me and actually the same friend and, sis, and his sister. We, we all played that game together. Um, and that was the thing I, it, it helped me understand what I loved so much. It wasn't just that it was funny and it wasn't just that it was scary and spooky. Um, uh, and I didn't. I was too young to know really that it was different because mm. I took those movies for granted. You know, um, what it was to me was the accessibility. That like, you know, you had your fire department, your police department, um, and then you could have a, a local Ghostbusters franchise because every town would need one. And that game was based on that premise. Yeah. And for the longest time, I, you know, I I couldn't understand why you know, Sony was not developing that idea more. Um, Now that I've been in the industry 20 years, I know that, like, things aren't just idea-driven. There's, like, a thousand production and marketing reasons why they probably chose not to do that. But to me, it seemed a really intuitive way to carry Ghostbusters on was to say, you know, it's not just about these four guys. It's about, like, you and you and you. And the fandom has clearly embraced that over the years. Yes. You know? Um, so yeah, it really unlocked my imagination in a great way, in a way that like Star Wars and stuff couldn't, because as much as I love that, I knew no matter how hard I tried, like I really, I wasn't going to get a lightsaber and, and that galaxy is literally far, far away, you know, but (laughs) Ghostbusters seems attainable. Like I'd been to New York and I saw those locations, you know, you could actually visit the firehouse and... And eventually I learned that, you know, Akroyd even, you know, based so much of it on semi-plausible um science and principles, you know, and j- just the same way Star Trek used real aerospace. And just the fact that that connection was there makes a kid go like, oh, you know, maybe it's real, you know. Maybe if yeah. I d- got the right parts at Home Depot, I could build a proton pack or a DeLorean time machine or, you know.
5: <laughs> the only real... Uh Leap your tiny little mind's need back then is that ghosts are real, which you're pretty much convinced of at that age anyways, as yes. opposed to wookies are real, etc which seems way more unlikely
4: yep absolutely uh,
5: we've, all, we've all we've all been stuck in the basement when the lights went out, or something like that, so ghosts are like right there as far as we're concerned,
4: oh, it was the perfect age, and then to to have a a property that helped empower you against that as opposed to, you know, become victimized by it. It It's huge for a kid, you know, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And being a dork, I think that was it too. And and it was also kind of saying, you know, hey, if you're, if you're that slight weirdo who doesn't quite fit in, but you're detail obsessed and and you're a little strange and you like strange things, like this is the place for you. Like we will take you. This is the team that you can be part of, you know, you're rewarded (laughs) for being able to spell big words. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or you <totally>. pronounce them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes.
5: Um so I guess we'll try and merge this a bit back and forth. Um this all kind of came about because I have a little guy 8 who's really into the glitch techs and watching it I was suddenly keenly aware how often you reference not just ghostbusters but so many other things as well. <laughs> yeah. Um I think in one single episode, you uh, named uh, a house after one of the Ghostbusters, a st- crossroads after like cross intersection after two more Ghostbusters, yeah. and I'm mostly convinced that you uh, had one of the um, uh, the oh, I want to call them Tamagotchis, but that's not it. The um, comas from Ghost in the Shell was referenced <laughs> all all in. It may not have even been the same episode. We tend to watch them in kind of like two or three
4: arcs, so but still, I'm like that is a lot it, of oh man,' pop culture thrown in that <laughs> rabbit hole gets deeper and deeper. And what was great about the premise of that show, which is essentially Ghostbusters, except for tech support. You know what if there was a technology that could could manifest like voxels or or pixels in three d space? Um, And they could, you know, form physically, and they could adapt pattern behaviors and and other traits that were AI based. So kind of like the movie Pixels, but with a a lot more um, lore, where we were saying, you know, well, what if Pac-Man could manifest, but, you know, his game code had him, you know, traveling that same maze path, although he doesn't know he's in a real life uh, location and has an impact on, this stuff is supposed to be like physical um, nanotech, so it actually does have a physical impact. So Pac-Man's doing his pattern, but he's doing it in the middle of Central Park, so he's going through trees and park benches and not trying to kill anyone, not trying to eat anyone, it's, it's not like video game characters jump out and suddenly are, have personalities. He's just a force of nature. And then this tech team has to show up and, and deal with the problem in a very, you know, bag them trap em uh, kind of way. Um, but video games are so rich in genre, uh, and that and those genres stem to movies and other forms of culture. So it was very natural for us to adopt different styles, you know, not just video games, but... So much of the culture that I and our entire creative team, who was, you know, aged from, you know, some of them like as young as 19 years old to, you know, people in their 50s and 60s, um, all bringing something to the table. And it was great because it was kind of organic. It, It didn't feel forced. We weren't just dropping lines or like winking at stuff out of left field. It was very organic to make it all part of the story, which I'm really proud of cuz uh, cuz the one thing i really don't like is when pop culture stuff just you know tries to wink at us and and throw in like really obvious stuff you know w- with our show i hope that if you're watching as a family if the kids don't get the reference they're going to enjoy the story for what it is but if you are their parent then you may know what certain you know phrases mean or what certain shots are from and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i made it my mission to Um, to just pay homage so much to Ghostbusters because it jump-started my imagination and I learned so much about the movie industry through reading scripts when I was like 12 years old and and the first book on the making of the movie was an incredibly in-depth book that I was lucky enough to get. And um, so yeah, I kind of just feel so much of what I've been able to do came from that movie. So whenever possible, I would wedge in References.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, right out of the gate, in that very first episode, you can tell that you took everything that you loved about Ghostbusters and you instilled it directly into glitch text. Like there's a bust, like there's something wrong goes uh, in the house, and and this guy shows up with a a particle thrower and a trap. And, you know, it's you watch it as a Ghostbusters fan, you go, hey, that guy's a fan. You know, that guy is a Ghostbusters fan.
4: Eric Robles, who'd created a show called Fanboy and Chum Chum. He was developing projects at Nickelodeon for quite a while. And he and I met on a separate project we were adapting. And um, uh, during that, he said, you know, I have this idea. Um, He's like, are you a Ghostbusters fan? I was (laughs) like... (laughs) And I explained, uh, yeah, you know, I used to write sequels to Ghostbusters when I was supposed to be paying attention in junior high. And, you know, so he's like, well, I'm just he was such a fan of um, the cartoon in particular. And he's like, I don't see that for kids. Like since the men in black cartoon, there's no paranormal investigation. And so he was the one who thought to put video games and, Mm. um, and ghost busting essentially together. And then he's, you know, we were just friends at that point. So he was just like, wanted to know my basic impression of it. I said, well, let me read what you've got and I'll let you know. And I went home and I wrote him like a 12-page single-spaced info dump where I said, look, I've been dreaming of a project like this for so long and these are just like free ideas. Just take them and run with them with my blessing because I would love to see a show like this. And I went into all this detail about how it could work and, and, and again, all that stuff about how it should be like a chain. It should be... International. It's you know our story will be about one show, but event, one branch rather. But eventually, we'll start to show there's you know other branches and other towns and and all across the world, etc. So, his response to that email was, "Why don't we create this together? <laughs> you, know, you seem <laughs> pretty inspired." Um, so I brought a ton of lore, and. We did a lot of deconstruction, and we brought on a lot of amazing people who also deconstructed not just what we wanted to um, emulate, but why. Like, we talked a lot about why do we love Ghostbusters? Why does it feel timeless? And part of that was putting a marshmallow man in the middle of, you know, Manhattan in the early 80s, which was still like kind of that rundown, grimy, you know, just that juxtaposition makes it real. So we had all these theories like, okay, the world has to be very normalized so that our supernatural stuff is bigger than life. The characters need to feel more grounded and realistic, not like, you know, it's a very cartoony show, but the characters are, talk more like real kids than, than sort of obnoxious um, toon heroes. Because we want that contrast, you know, of, I always loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer and how that was just about a kid in high school who suddenly right. has to fight vampires, but she's aware how ridiculous that is. So we thought, oh, these kids should constantly be pinching themselves that they're basically living in Ghostbusters and they're getting to do things that normally exist only in movies and games. And so... um you know, that plus a lot of the other stuff we've been talking about were things that were really important to us. Cause I wanted that same feeling. You know, I dressed up as a Ghostbuster when I was twelve and it stole my imagination. And I just thought, oh, I want some kid to watch this and feel like they could be a part of this world, you know.
3: Yeah, they can work in tech support. Yeah.
4: Yeah, uh, and to glorify things they already are pretty into. I mean, my eight year old can do tech support in Minecraft and Zoom and uh, Roblox, like to a pretty extreme degree. (laughs) And a lot of kids actually look up to genius bar workers and stuff. You know, they see that as glamorous. So I thought, yeah, let's... Nerd culture also has to endorse so many shows about geek or gamer culture where they succeed despite being social misfits. And I hate that. I hate it. So we really try to just glorify um, gaming in a way that wasn't too over the top. That was just reasonable, you know. The, nobody's like, "Wow, those those little nerds really pulled it out and won the day." I hated that in Pixels. I thought that was like insulting. Uh, the movie almost seemed to have contempt for yeah. the, the people that it was appealing to, and. I don't want to accuse that directly of the writers. I don't think it was their intent, but I think that's what that tone does. You know, everyone can like Big Bang Theory except the people it's about. Right. In yeah. a way.
3: Right. Yeah. It's insulting and But Dan Acker yeah. had a great cameo in,
4: in Pixels. It had that. Yes, he did. That. I also liked his um his Casper cameo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, is it canon?
3: That's the question we get very often, is Casper Canon. Um I have well, a
4: pitch by the way on how they could have made his cameo in 2016 Ghostbusters at least a little bit interesting. Like Okay. We did an episode of this, so we need to hear you, yours. Yeah. Yes. All right, here's my pitch. He's, he says his line. It's like everything in that movie is so forced and I'm not actually anti that movie, but I used to work for Sony and I can tell you that, that movie was a Sony marketing problem. That, that movie just had so many editors. God knows how it was supposed to be, but, um, they have Aykroyd, and he's like, Hey ladies, where you want to go? Whatever. And all I would have needed as an audience member is that when they pan down the, the thing on the back, like the, the taxi ID says race dance, because if I want to know, oh, shoot, this is an alternate timeline. Like, Mm. you know, I didn't like Bill Murray's character. I thought, oh, it would have been interesting if, you know, very subtly you realized these are, something happened where, you know, this is like a, sort of like the way Abrams did in the original Star Trek, you know? It's like a sort of a parallel world where something happened because that could potentially be a story. Um, And... Rather than just have it be, you know, cabbie number six just happens to be um, played by the same actor. You know what I mean? I thought that would have been interesting.
3: I like that. I like the, that, that sense that it could be there was a, a... I always come back to it. A sliding doors moment uh, somewhere in time where all those guys never ended up coming together. And uh, lo and behold, you can't stop the Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, That's right. going to happen. Yeah, this
5: Ex- thing that was somehow meant to be. Except technically for Egon, who... Because of the statue. Right. Mm. Still went into academia.
4: Still. Well, well so, and, and if that thing, you know, and again, this stuff shouldn't be too obvious. This should be the kind of thing that we catch in, on the DVD, you know, because the core audience wouldn't understand. But if we went back and looked, and at the bottom of that bus, it says Dr. Spengler of that university, we'd be like, well, what happened? What happened? Yeah. You know, and even if they just did it in an IDW comic, they could have maybe told us that story or something, you know. Still may one day, I guess. Uh, Never say never on that one. Yeah, those comics are done really well. We had um, Eric Burnham come visit us um, at our production when we were doing Glitch Text, and I desperately want to work with him. Like I I had wanted him to possibly do an episode of Glitch, but we didn't get to um, develop our our new episodes uh, in time to work with him, but we may still. So
5: So what you're saying is you've seen Eric not in a coffee shop in front of his laptop is what you're saying he
4: he stopped at a coffee shop up the street and uh we did have a coffee shop in the lobby where you could get a little work done but yeah for yeah i've seen him actually walk the halls
5: amazing Uh, i guess this is a good natural point to ask about so i kind of have some vague recollection that because of just general scheduling weirdness and then the the world that 2020 has been, uh, Glitch Tech season or series two dropped on us earlier or later than intended?
4: I can't quite remember. Oh, it, it's always been a little rocky because part, part, I mean, the industry's just been changing so fast with the advent of streaming and then right. the pandemic quadrupled that because it made all the companies hemorrhage money and panic and all that. But um, Nickelodeon is owned by Viacom, which went through so many regime changes while we were there. And w- in that shuffle, if we were ever going to be on their network, we got sold to Netflix. And it actually happened pretty quickly. We, we were not a show that was shelved. We were actually still finishing post when the show was we were told we were going to be going to Netflix. Mm, right. And um, so the the, we had produced 20 episodes, and then we had started work on scripts and storyboards for a second season, and we were doing the first 10 episodes of, of Nickelodeon season two, right? right? Um But when you go to Netflix, they do this thing where they'll, they'll take about half your order and put it out um, and call that season right. one so this that they can stagger
5: releases. You had what you considered a full – First season, and they kind of cut it in half. Yeah, into in the, how they presented on that. That's that's right.
4: That's it okay. confuses people, but it's not it's not really that terrible because what it does is kind of give you two premieres, and it lets an audience build sure in gets. a way that's pretty good. It, but it is like a headache to understand. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the first ten shows aired pretty much in the order they were intended. We we shuffled a couple things around um, in February, and then what was it, August, is when they dropped the second batch of 10. So they called that season two, but technically that is the 20 episodes of season one that Nick originally produced. And then while we were producing season two, um, they froze our production in early 2019, literally like January 1st. And that was because, um, you know, it was the first quarter of a new year and the, the new regime that had took over at the end of 2018, just was putting an all-stop on a lot of shows, actually. Hmm. Um, I, I'll i never know the clear agenda. Uh, I know it was financial, but I don't think that was specific to us. I think they were trying to make their books look really good, and they were just putting a pause on anything that right. they didn't know. And so many people that developed our show had left by the time this rolled around. So there was nobody there but us to tell them what the show was. Um, In previous regime changes, we had some amazing executives who would, like, educate each regime on what the show is and why it had momentum and why everybody was so excited. Uh, Not just the premise, but, like, there's a lot of social value in the show. Um, animation is... We're so lucky. It's phenomenal. We got to do animation that Nick had never done before. Um, But you know, a lot of times they just sort of clear the decks and that's what happened to us. So that, that third season that would be, I guess what Netflix would call it, is sort of up in the air. Mm. Um, we have unfinished episodes that we want to finish oh, and I don't man. know if we're going to get to do it sooner or later. Um, right. But they if they haven't greenlit us by now then it's going to be the slower path, I think. It could still happen. There's there the problem is right now that there is no time frame anymore yeah it's streaming right. so they could pick try to pick us up in 2 years if they want um or another network could come in or someone will buy viacom and then they'll <laughs> own it you know what i mean yeah <laughs> it it's nuts so you just got to <sighs> when you're a content creator you kind of have to just hang on these are just like choppy seas Um, the part that's really heartbreaking is that the team was amazing and now we're not scattered to the wind, but we're obviously on separate productions and it will be that much harder to rebuild. Right. Yeah. But it's been done, you know, we're all really close and we would find a way if we had to do it. In the meantime, we're going on our other projects, but I do take it as a win that we got these 20 episodes produced at all. Because so many shows don't survive development, let alone production, let right. alone twenty episodes of a, you know, a show that was not based on a book or, yeah. you know, a pre-existing IP of any kind. Right. That looks gorgeous. Like one of our dreams was for it to look as good as real Ghostbusters did, uh, especially when they were done you know, in Japan, and they they were genuine anime show. Um, we wanted it to look like the opening of Thundercats, you know? Because like, <laughs> when we were kids on Saturday morning, like, the opening of the show was always amazing, and then the yeah. actual show was, like, farmed out. Uh, <laughs> All to, the stock <laughs> animation, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, man, could we make a show that looks consistently good? Um, and we were able to do it, so we're just psyched i mean we got away with murder from a creator standpoint i cannot believe we got to make the show we made
5: and um it's to the benefit being on netflix there that it's there waiting for every child that didn't catch it when it first dropped to have that bored rainy sunday to turn it on and then catch up with everybody else on it too so the audience can only grow and grow and grow
4: Exactly. It's amazing. To, you know, if, if it was on Nickelodeon only, we would have had to s- have you tune in at a specific time and who does that anymore? And they could have pulled us after two weeks. But now for, you know, for quite a long time, people are going to be able to just go and discover it um, mm-hmm. and, you know, spread the word about it. And we really are proud that we think we made something for families that won't be, that has good sci-fi and and. Characters and stuff adults can enjoy, and really, uh, you know, I like you. Uh,
5: can measure these things based on our willingness to sit and watch them with our children. <laughs> yeah. And which uh, Techs easily uh, not only passes the sit down and watch with them test, but um, slightly annoyed at them when they run ahead on episodes when you're not there, <laughs> and is is also uh, rewatchable. So it's, ultimate it's, compliment. They, it's a... Uh, yes.
4: Thank you. Um,
3: and and I, Mission I Accomplished... I, I don't want to throw, th- you know, throw poor Thomas under the bus here, but Mission Accomplished and him wanting to dress up uh, like one of the techs uh, for Halloween, That's right. right.
4: Oh, yes. dude. There's a yes. guy named uh, A.J. Locascio, who's an actor, and he also just... Um, he created a short called spooky fresh um he's the voice of prince lotor on uh, voltron he does marty mcfly and all the like back to the future games and stuff um we were on dawn of the croods together he made a one-to-one scale gauntlet and he released the plans online and he refined them and then reposted you know because he's just that kind of detail freak right. and i noticed too that um some people uh made like incredible homemade costumes this year and that does make me want to like cry because i i did strap a vacuum cleaner to my back and i did turn my grandfather's car into an ectomobile with like cardboard cutouts and decals (laughs) and he wanted to murder me and but um to see people embrace it to that level is incredible you know i still dress up as a a Ghostbuster like pretty much every year and I have for like over a decade. You Um, say that like that's like a weird thing. I was gonna say so do we. You're in good company. You're fine. (laughs) Yeah man, I you know, there's nothing better than going on patrol and you know how much people love it. And and it is. It's like I don't I don't wanna like belittle what firemen do, especially I'm in California and they are like such heroes here. But it is that same kind of magic. You're just like, oh here's somebody who's like Who's like here for the public and and it's fun and we've got our own theme song and we bring flashing lights and we bring you know we bring the party and it's it's an incredible infectious feeling I'm just so proud of it Um, and I love I've always been a huge fan of Dan Aykroyd because I love his mind and how he thinks too big Um, I worked with Eugene Levy on Greg the Bunny and I I knew he was in Ghostbusters too but got cut out. And I asked him all about it. He's like, "How did you know about that?" <laughs> and I was like, "I used to read a Premiere magazine. You were going to be <laughs> cousin Sherman." And he's like, "Yeah, I did about a day and a half, and uh, guess I guess it wasn't that good." <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I said, "What was? What, what are those guys like?" And he's like, "He's like Dan Aykroyd is a, a, a brilliant man, but without Harold, <laughs> you know." And he wasn't trying to slam him. He just meant that guy's unproducible. That guy's like pie in the sky. And Eric Robles always likes to say, you know, you need a Walt Disney and you need a Roy Disney. You need
2: mm-hmm. the
4: how and the why, you know, like somebody says, why, why not do this, do that. Somebody has to say how. So Ivan Reitman and, and Harold Ramis were really good for someone like Aykroyd. And I see that a lot in creative teams and relationships. Um, And I was fascinated. I actually wrote to him when I was like 13. uh, And I got a reply. Wow. What did it say? Yeah, what happened? (laughs) Well, I'm actually really proud of myself because I used to... People used to send fan letters to agencies and studios. But I lived in Long Island and I knew that he had become... I read an article that he became partners in the Hard Rock Cafe. This is before even they built Planet Hollywood up the street. So... Um, I sent a letter to the Hard Rock Cafe Ah. and then two and a half years later, I got a letter (laughs) and he said, the guys in the kitchen held this letter for me until I came in, you know, and he's like, it was so nice of you to write to me, you know, and he sent me a picture from, um, I think it was 1988 by then. And he did that movie, the the couch trip with Walter Matthau he did a lot of weird movies like Post Ghostbusters too, and uh, and he signed it and he said, you know, stay sane and and he just wrote, you know, keep writing, you know, nice. I love that you want to be a writer. It was just awesome. I, I just nice. couldn't believe that he actually got it and replied.
5: And it's uh, framed somewhere in perspex in your house, I'm assuming. Yes, exactly. Yes.
4: I always wished it was a still from uh, Ghostbusters, <laughs> but I still cherish it you so take, much. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yes. You
3: have guests come over and they're like, you're a really big fan of Dr. Detroit? Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh,
4: yeah, my stepmother is an alien posters everywhere. Loose <laughs> cannons. What's this all about, James? Loose cannons, dude. <laughs> that was a tough one.
2: <laughs> but I saw them
4: all. I saw um, Nothing But Trouble opening night
2: oh, in wow. Times
4: Square. And, uh, I mean, I actually lo- I, I actually love that movie, but maybe for the wrong reasons. I love what it tried to do. Because, yes. um, again, I, there's, a, I guess, a great example of what happens without the Ramis factor, you know. But I love yeah. that guy's mind. And I actually, there's a great article on it online where apparently everyone in the crew said that he was amazing to work for and a really nice guy because he indulged everybody's creativity you know so that's nice to know
5: uh who's next question here try
3: oh go for it yeah go ahead
5: um uh, we kind of covered uh where are we at here because uh dan's kind of covered stuff i already talked about here i mean i can go to the side stuff yeah go to the side stuff all right so yeah so step one is uh i referenced that you were technically in the star wars universe uh you
2: contributed.
5: uh uh crowd fill you did the rhubarb 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 in um uh, uh in in a little in bit of yeah the walla walla yeah exactly. <laughs> so i wanted to ask you uh if you ever put any thought into exactly who you are in those crowd scenes and if you wanted to share it here because if you say it here there is a small chance that somebody may then add it to wikipedia uh
4: and, well are and okay. enshrined forever <laughs> well for wikipedia i can give them the, the following in uh I don't, gosh, I was a quest giver in Knights of the Old Republic, but I don't remember exactly who. Um, I know it was a light side quest. It was it was something stupid I like I, I was a guy who probably was named like like snowy toboggan and I, you know I sent you <laughs> off to get like you know five Brazzle bushes you know <laughs> it's the worst quest you could want to do you know bring me back five berries from a brazzle bush you know um, for my Wookiee pie you know just something terrible but in Star Wars squadrons um, I'm part of a walla group that's doing stuff like on the flight deck and everyone in the wallet group needed to do, um, you can't, you can't speak in English. You have to do gibberish. Right. And, um, they wanted me to like command a squad. <laughs> so I did like an <laughs> Arlie Ermy uh, nonsense voice <laughs> where he's just like, you say I want to send how high? You say how high. Right. And stuff like that. What is your mother about sir? Right. <laughs> And they just, like, were cracking up. <laughs> Unfortunately, you, I can't lose it, but I'd like to think that I'm, like, uh, a droid named, like, Ermi R.L. Or, <laughs> or just an alien named, like, <laughs> like R.O. Ermi. Yeah. Um, and I actually, in Star Wars Detours, which is not yet released, but mm. I think may come around eventually, um, I play Rod of the Hutt as a teenager <laughs>
2: That's awesome.
4: and he's done as kind of Napoleon dynamite. So he's just like, Oh dad," you know, <laughs> not in front of the scum and villainy, dad, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I played Darth Maul, but he sounds a bit like, um, Matthew McConaughey. So it's sort of like, <laughs> 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 once you've looked inside yourself and, and literally seen yourself split in two, you start to, you start to think, you know, i got to reevaluate my life choices. <laughs> uh, and I'm Dexter Jetster. That was, like, the biggest part, because part part of the show took place in Dexter's diner, because, I mean, I think that's what we all want when we think Star Wars yeah. uh, is more Dexter. But uh, we actually did some great stuff. It was, like, the premise of that show was visiting different set pieces in the universe, um, the coming and, comings and goings at the diner, the Jabba's Palace and the Death Star while it was under construction.
2: Oh, and
4: some amazing writers contributed to that. And there are about 30 finished, like, completed episodes that came oh. out really good. I was going to say, it was um, close
3: to being finished and released, and then it just sort of got shelved uh, at the last minute. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And um, we, worked, we we would go up to the actual ranch For like a week at a time. So you'd stay there. You'd stay at the inn. It was like summer camp. And then you'd work all week. And then you'd leave as a writer. Then Mm. the animators at Big Rock Ranch um, would work with the producer and directors for a couple months. And then you'd go back up for another week or two to write. And I did that about four times. And it was magic. It was just magic. We got to sit on the porch of like the Victorian house. And he was around Seth... Green had gotten to know him and his family for years to the point that like he really trusts Seth and they have a very sweet relationship. So that extended to us slobs who were all on our best behavior and really tried hard to let George know that like we we were fans but we weren't gonna put him on the spot at least the first couple of weeks and then once once it was pretty chill then we started to like hit him up <laughs> with trivia and kind of found that he didn't know half the answers like he didn't read the RPG books like we did yeah you know like i i started to really get a a humanized picture of him as just this guy who built this juggernaut and the truth is i think he he could never possibly see star wars the way fans see it nor could we ever see it how he does like he looks at star wars and he sees his unfinished like college senior thesis film you know like no wonder he wants to take all the scratches and things out you know it's not there's when he looks at it he sees all these compromises we made yeah and that's the stuff that we love you know, like, oh, right. we love how lived in it is. And he's sort of like, nah, well, it wasn't supposed to look like it, yeah. you know.
3: Why did I shoot right. that in black and white 16mm? That doesn't make any sense. You know.
4: Yeah, and so...
3: Yeah. He's endlessly
4: know.
5: upset about the stormtrooper walking into the, the door, and we love it forever and ever.
4: Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. We, would, we don't want a thing changed. And I think he could understand that if somebody tried to change, you know, The Seventh Samurai or a film he grew up with, but right. it just didn't compute for him yeah. um so that was very human to me anyway i went off on a tangent but i had mm. to because no, it's, that's Lu- it's I was lucas what man to
3: detours I'm, I'm so glad you because uh, that was one of those we saw the trailer for and i was super excited for it and then it just
4: had it vanished and you're
2: like
3: oh man you, you can probably
4: yeah. tell from the trailer that it's it's weird it's an odd duck it's a real mixed tone i i can guarantee you that the writing is very smart and funny in a lot of places it's not like a a, an embarrassment but it is a really mixed tone like people wanted it to be 10 different things you know some people wanted it really broad some people wanted it to be more like venture brothers and Mm. sometimes it is all those things so i think if if they go back and they cherry pick some of the best stuff um and whittle it down a bit. They could probably package some great episodes.
3: Well, and maybe Um, it'll, it'll help like with lower decks coming out. They can, they can see like, look, these things can coexist and it doesn't, it doesn't affect the, the, the big, you know, hour drama that you have on your service at the moment. If you have this 22 minute comedy, uh, and, and it is referential and it does call out all of these things and it is kind of a weird, yeah, it's, it's playing to the people who have read the RPGs and will know those references and, yeah, that would be cool.
4: I hope um, so. I know Filoni and Favreau both really love it, and they've got a lot of sway now, so they'll they'll do what they can to yeah. to bring it out. So, but yeah, so I got I've gotten to play in a lot of um, sandboxes, and I always wanted to work at Sony. I, I used to write um, uh, features as like kind of an assignment writer, where you just get assigned you know, one script or another. Um, I did have one original script for a while with Laura Ziskin, who was doing, like, Spider-Man 2 at the time. And um, I only mention that because, you know, I, I got to know a lot about life at the Sony lot. And this is before they redid the offices for, for you know, Paul Feig and now for Ghost Corpse. But um, back in 2005, five six, I want to say, you could just walk the lot, and there was no Ghostbuster stuff, except one day, the hearse was there, or the ambulance rather, um, the original. And I knew it was the original because it was so rusted out. <laughs> and I thought, oh my god, it was like parked, and it was not on display, it was parked way behind uh, another building. So I was early to a meeting, and I walked up to it, and I tried the door, and it opened. And I just sat down inside of it and it stank and everything. And I just sat there and um, eventually a security guard came around and he's like, you know, you can't be in there. And uh, and I, all I had was a flip phone at the time, but I, I took it out and I said, yeah, but you know, you got to take a picture of me. In it. <laughs> and he did. That's a good I, guard. That is a it good guard. He was so nice. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you got it. And that's the one they ended up um, refurbishing. Hmm. So up until that point, that was like my greatest, greatest dream come true that I got to sit in the Actimobile, you know, pre-refurbishment too. Yeah. 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 And I told Laura Ziskin all about it. I'm like, I almost got kicked off the lot. Um, (laughs) and she just looked at me like I was an idiot. She she was a nice (laughs) lady, but apparently Bill Murray threw her in a lake during the production of What About Bob? <laughs> because you know, Sounds there's always right. those crazy stories. Wh- he where he would pick women up and and you know, yeah, uh, play with them. But she was the producer on that movie, so she was pissed as hell. So whenever I talked about <laughs> Bill Murray <laughs> or, or Ghostbusters, <laughs> she just quickly changed the subject. No. She was. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Do we want to ask Dan about his hopes and dreams for Afterlife? That's what I was going to say, because the only thing I oh. have left on my list are Afterlife, and I want to ask you about Short Circuit. I'm going to put you on the spot, but let's talk Afterlife for Oh, I, yeah,
4: I have a Ghostbuster story for that, too. Okay. Um, well, yeah, here's what I love about Afterlife. My, my feeling is, as much as I love Ghostbusters and wanted to write sequels, like I never really felt... There was more of a story to tell, at least not about the core guys, you know, because they were getting older. And it's hard. I have a lot of respect for, for people now who have to carry on franchises because it is really difficult. And even if you have a great idea, believe me, corporate is going <laughs> to poke a thousand holes yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, and I read the Stupinski draft that I found oh. online that those guys had written, mm. um, which was which was pretty good. They fight Cthulhu. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, I wish they made this. But they're all like, they're all a bit of a stretch. It's hard to continue the story. I I didn't think that the 2016 idea was so bad. I just wish it didn't have to be a total reboot. I, I yeah. wish it was more a handoff, you know, or or a parallel story or whatever. So anyway. All I know about afterlife is if they're going to do something else, I think it's actually like kind of really sweet that, you know, um, Jason Reitman thought I've loved this thing. Like I'm a genuine fan and my dad got a raw deal on that last movie. And I think I can step in and do something about it. And I love how they did it on the down low. You know, the vibe seems right. And then sadly Harold Ramis past. passed but the fact that they might incorporate and use that to tell a story i think is really potentially interesting and if they can do a contemporary handoff that's like does something new with the franchise then i'm down because i you know as like anybody else like w- we all want to taste a mcdonald's hamburger and have that same flavor but it's hard with movies because you do but after the first bite you almost resent it like you, you want something different too Um, That's why I thought episode seven, even though it skipped a lot of information when it began, I was like, that was a pretty good balance for a while. It was a good start, you know? And um, I I hope that this just tells a really fun story. I like that they want to legitimize what happened in the original film and kind of ground it in reality. Like, this was a thing that happened in New York that people don't talk about so much anymore or whatever. I think that's really cool. So I have high hopes. And and I'm just a, a softie. so in a way, I just kind of like the father son aspect of it. And I'm going to go in pretty open hearted um, and just you know want to have a good time. So I think it has a lot of good vibes for it. I'm I'm really upset that they're not releasing it in lockdown because I need that movie so bad. Uh, I was going to say it's, it would
3: be fitting <laughs> if it was released in a drive in right now, so you could go see yes! that, and it would be a great right? bookend between.
4: <laughs> yes. So I think it's going to be I I you know I I'm ca- I'm always a little cautious but I'm not going in you know as a harsh judge I just I just want to have some fun and I want to see kids opened up to that world because I think they can be. I do think yeah. Ghostbusters is really ripe to um yeah. to explore. And there's uh can't think of much better
5: than maybe another decade of a movie here and there with Paul Rudd in the mix. So <laughs>
4: I've loved him for so long. He's uh, I. I remember the very first like wet hot American summer. He's so funny. Um, <laughs> it's it's of all the people who eke their way into different movies, like I'm down for him being in there. I I love that he's seemingly not a, a huge main character either. I think that's cool. Yeah,
5: yeah. not yeah. And, and totally. really talked to him yet, but I get the impression from a couple of because he does. He's allowed to do a lot of improv in his movies, and a couple of times. Ghostbusters has come up in some of the jokes that I'm wondering if he might not be a bit of a big fan himself too, and it's leaking through here and there and now he gets to actually be
4: in it So It is cool, and you know I feel like they're doing a thing where he's kind of playing us, you know, he's that he's the guy who gets to hold the ghost trapping and say, don't you know what this is? You know, like that yeah. that's me talking to my kid, you know <laughs> um, So yeah, it's really sweet but we'll see, I, you know, I was a, I'm was a fan of all Paul Feig's Movies. I don't think enough people have seen his show Other Space because it got buried on. Oh, like, it's
3: so good. The, oh, show. man, yeah. it's
4: so great. So I had such high hopes for that movie. But uh, you can see that they just threw everything in the kitchen sink into the edit. And I don't know how strong the s- script was from the get. It didn't seem like it was all that strong. But even so, we'll, we'll probably never know what that movie was even supposed to be Um, because it seemed like there were threads of stories and relationships and they just got mishmashed and it happens. It just Sony in particular is very much driven by like the marketing and trailer department.
5: If nothing else, I think it's, it's the project that cracked the seal on us getting more, more Ghostbusters stuff. Finally, just because leading up to it, everybody did a lot of, it needs to be this. No, it needs to be this. Well, they'll kill us if we don't do that. Well, they'll kill us if we do do that. Like and so it was attempted. It came out, uh found a bunch of new fans and yeah, it it uh with with the with the seal broken, now everybody's like great. Now let's move on to a whole bunch of other stuff. Like it's I don't know. Not not the what's the
4: no, nobody want to put the, their foot forward first and now that they have <laughs>
0: And that's why it's so rolling. great
4: that it came from Reitman's camp and it came almost kind of like covert, like it couldn't get notes cause they already had a draft. You know what I mean? Like that was, they knew what they were doing. That was a real smart yeah. way to play it. Yeah. yeah.
5: You want to uh, grill them on uh, short circuit? Sure know, we're, we're running we'll short go. on time. We'll Gann, and on and a, I gotcha. Um,
3: so uh, I, I am a huge fan of, of both the original and the second movie. I, I love that second movie. Uh, what's going on with your short circuit? That's that's one I've been anticipating and wanting to see for quite some time. What's, what's man? Going
4: on? I don't know what's going to happen when you when you're a career screenwriter. It's so hard. Which is why I stopped doing it. I, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do TV because you get to work with a lot more people, and whether things go or not, they move more quickly. You know, film is very solitary. You're if you're the sole writer, and you just go months between meetings and everything. But I. Had a really fun uh, uh, take. It was just kind of, um, it was kind of a, a soft reboot. But I wrote roles for the entire original cast, and uh, and I worked very closely with the original producer, David Foster. He took me to the Sony archives. I got to like touch and meet Johnny Five, and they also had a lot of Ghostbusters stuff there. Um, but I got the job by pitching to, um, <laughs> thankfully not. Um, What's his name at New Line? Uh, oh, God, why am I blanking on his name? He's like the horrible sex offender. Uh, oh, uh, Weinstein. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. It was not Harvey. It was Bob. <laughs> it was his brother Bob I met with. And before the meeting, it was around the corner uh, from the hook and ladder firehouse. So I sat on the steps uh... of the hook and ladder practicing my pitch before that meeting, which was like good mojo. And he really dug it. He really liked the story. Um, It was more of like a kid and his robot story. It was like a little bit of uh, an iron giant in a way. And he was like, Johnny Five was more plugged into the internet than just television. Um, And so it's very, the script is very dated at this point, I think, from a lot of the memes. It was like very chocolate rain (laughs) era. Um, And I know Tim Blaney, who did the voice, and I absolutely wrote it for Tim. And I named the president. Uh, not the president, God. The um, principal <laughs> okay, in the movie was like Mr. Blaney. Um, and, you know, what happened was they went ahead, they had two directors, and then suddenly they took so long, the license ran out. Like, New Line lost the license, and it went back to Sony. So now it's at Sony, David Foster and his people really liked my script and they wanted to move forward with it. They started looking for other directors. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes it even has to do with other properties. Like maybe when Ghostbusters didn't go, they stopped their other properties. Um, or it could have had something to do with like RoboCop coming out and people having decisions about that. You know? yeah. When something enters the zeitgeist, everybody starts micromanaging. So I know that there has not been a new script, uh, and I've personally not heard of anything else happening with the property. It's just kind of sitting.
3: Sitting. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So I don't know. I, really? I would love to see it made. I was really proud of how the script came out. And I was honored that I got to do that was like my first actual like um sort of franchise job, like on a property. You know, everything else was like really small. Uh new projects.
3: Well, it's uh, hopefully somebody sees it sitting on a desk uh, when they all go back to the Sony lot or the new new line lot, wherever it ends up at. And they'll be like, Oh, Oh yeah. We got to get back to Dan. I can't believe we didn't do that. And it'll be one of those things where you get the call the next day. uh, I hope so.
4: In the meantime, I, I, I'll have to just, like, send a copy of the script or something, because eventually that stuff just gets out there. Yeah,
3: or, uh, or just do do uh, the Adam Goldberg thing and start posting concept art on your Twitter account, and <laughs> yeah. everybody's like, oh
4: my god, check that out! That's what this exactly. would
3: be? Yeah. I, you
4: know, I think if they did it, they would probably really reinvent Johnny Five, but I tried really hard to make him um, basically the same exact robot, except a little more ergonomic, because... I, I just think he's one of the most brilliant puppets I've ever seen, and even if they do C- a CG model, I just feel like he—he's like R two D two or C three people. Like, I just don't think you should—you can upgrade him, but I would hate to see him completely overhauled.
3: Yeah, the expressiveness in the eyes and all of the things that you want to see in him. Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I think even kids who haven't seen the original, like, he's just a really, you know, relatable character. So, you know, that's my he, 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 hope.
5: He's almost the perfect subject for movies these days, effects-wise, just because being not organic, there's no reason not to make the puppet for the actors to interact with most of the time, but also because he's not organic when you do have to render him in cg he will be you
3: can replace him pretty easily yeah
4: and you'll never be able to tell him from the puppet really so i had him (laughs) taking off on jets and flying around and and doing some stuff that would have been much more difficult before but in writing the scenes i i really just imagined that like the 80s version um because i love that thing i love the treads you know i love that like you could climb up on him like in the second movie and like somebody could you know, hold on and kind of ride him. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. So I had him controlling a lot of different technology. He goes to like a, a, tech expo and you know, all these like robots and drones and things are, are coming to life and stuff. It was, it was fun.
3: Nice. Well, he could pair with
4: things. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that.
3: I want to see that movie. Um, well, I know we're, we're running short on time with you, Dan. I, I, I promise to keep you under an hour, but uh, Chris, do you have anything else for him while we've got him?
5: Um, one thing, uh, it's, it's, it's one Thomas made me, uh, put to you, Dan, um, he, he says he has spotted your, uh, <laughs> it's completely not an in-joke, I get it, but, uh, he has decided it's there. He's decided that, uh, Carrie, the babysitter in Incredibles, who happens to bear, uh, uh a resemblance to the bad guy doctor in Abominable Red Hair ponytail. <laughs> Is also the girl at the ice cream uh, drive-through in Glitch Tech. <laughs> That's just so at different funny. Different ages of her life. So he
4: wanted me to pass that along. That like he's uh, he's he he got the joke and he's on to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Everyone has concluded that Miko's father on Glitch Tech is also uh, Nickelodeon's Doug, uh, <laughs> grown up. Um, and it's funny. Some of those things I'm conscious of, and some of them I'm not, because we we have so many people giving input that some stuff even slid past me like we've got poses in the show that are from like Cayman Rider and Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and I had to go sometimes and check with certain board artists and like is that what you were doing and they're like oh yeah um (laughs) most of it I knew but it's something that I love about the show is you know, what we were talking about, that those things are there, but they're subtle. Hmm. So even I can go and learn about that and think that's awesome, you know, and find out there are new Easter eggs all the time. Um, Um,
5: Once Thomas was introduced to the concept of the uh, Stan Lee cameo, he's, he now looks for cameos (laughs) for everybody in everything. So I'm sure as he gets older, he'll start to, to, to kind of dial that in a bit, but uh, yeah, he's,
4: Man, we almost did an episode where the glitch techs end up in what, what seems like a paranormal situation, and we were going to have like a, a ghost hunter team. Um, this, was, this is just more of a season three idea is the only reason we didn't do it, because people are still kind of understanding our concept. But once right. you know what glitch teching is, then you know what it's not. So to have the glitch text run into a um, ghost hunters type team would have been really interesting. And we got a premise written um and we were gonna try to unite um Dave Coulier and Phil Lamar and wow. you know and and we were pretty close. We got as far as like casting looking into it and saying like, oh yeah, they'll all do it. You know, we it looked like we were even gonna get Arsenio Hall. Um uh and then the 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 worst thing is like the story just wasn't coming together, and we had to change it, and we did a different story, but oh, you know, well, we're always uh, looking for ways that we could do it. I did my it, best attempt at a Slimer voice with um, Kadama, this little creature we had, where I just gave him that, like, Frank Welker, you know, like, he did every car- every mascot in every 80s cartoon, you know, from yeah. Glomer, and, uh, <laughs> oh god, there's so many... But um, th- yeah, we really wanted a slimer factor in the show, so we were gonna nice <laughs> work, try to work that in more. Nice.
3: <laughs> um, um, well, yeah, I was sorry. gonna say that's that's uh that's all the time we have with you, Dan. But uh, man, thank you so much for coming by. And and once you hear more about when those episodes of Glitch Text is gonna uh, hit, please you know come back and we can talk about those or or just let us know so we can blast them. Because I know a lot of our listeners and viewers. Uh, are fans of the show. So we got to keep them posted too.
4: Thanks so much. Please tell uh, friends, anybody who will listen, you know, to to check out the show on Netflix. We're going to be on there for quite a while. Um, you can reach me at Dan Milano. Um, for now, in lockdown, my, my DMs have been open and um, I've been trying to answer everybody who writes. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, we've published a lot of show material, including designs and scripts. And uh, there is a document on all the Ghostbusters references in the show. Um, And I'm working now on adapting a book series called Wings of Fire with um, my wife, Krista Starr, and with um, Ava DuVernay producing. That's going to be for Warner Brothers. And um, lastly, Ghostbusters Year One is finally coming out as a trade paperback. And I had written a foreword for that uh-huh. Um, quite some time ago, which Eric <laughs> was nice to have me do, and and Dan actually put me in a Dan Shoning put me in a crowd shot in the comic uh, a while back, um, which just goes to show, like, man, when you know geeks meet up um, and just share interests, you know, it's it's fun to overlap, and I really love that we have the online community for that. I mean, I met Eric Burnham in a chat forum for the Ghostbusters board game. Um, it's not like we went to some Hollywood party cause those don't really exist. And <laughs> no. if they, if they do, I'm not invited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we just met nerding out about, you know, board game minis. Uh, so anyway, look for that. Year one is a pretty fun, uh, precursor story and it's a ramp up in a way for, uh, aftermath or, um, afterlife. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we love those, those one shots. Those were great. Um, those guys kill it. They they have kept it alive in such a great way, and they've expanded what is a pretty small universe when you think about it. And they have they've taken every like background character, and it's not like squeezing blood from a stone. They've actually come up with really rich ideas. You know, yeah. they took the Jennifer Runyon character from the opening scene in Ghostbusters and like made her a cool character yeah. uh, who has actual psychic powers, which is brilliant (laughs) and they're just fun you can tell they love it so
5: every once in a while they do something and you're like oh no this is it they're gonna jump the shark and like uh, meet up with the turtles or uh yeah their their cartoon selves and then you're like oh no that actually worked really really well every time passion
4: always wins out that that's how i feel about a show like cobra kai i mean that show works because they really loved it and cared about the material and they leaned into the things that were kind of you know Awkward about it and they made that part of their story. And so that's the feeling I get about afterlife. I I feel like it's leaning into a lot of stuff, including the loss of Ramus and 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 the generational torch pass. And so I, you know, I think it's gonna be good vibes. And anyway, I'm just proud to be with with other ghost heads and thanks for. Taking the time to talk to me. I, I don't hey. get to talk about my love of it that much.
3: No, that's, I mean, uh, all the things you mentioned are coming from a great place, and all of your work comes from a great place, too. So we're we're thrilled to have you on the show. And thanks thanks for stopping by, Dan. Thank you. I've been looking don't forward to it. To
1: pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, go, go go stoppers. Stoppers. I'm sorry, we'll do it again.
5: We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call in line at 470 242 4742. That's 4702 GBHQIC also have a Facebook page, Two. and Twitter accounts. Is dead. Uh, no kidding, mm-hmm. just give me the
2: address.
5: Search Facebook for it's The Ghostbusters, interdimensional transcript. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ, and Chris at Proton Charging. I
2: just want to get back close again What the hell are you doing? <coughs>
5: If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes
0: good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals.
5: Once again, our call-in line is four seven zero two G B H Q I C.
0: That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Good luck.
3: Well, there it was dan milano what a delightful gentleman that guy is uh, i'm glad i asked him about short circuit because i've i've been really expecting that movie to be coming out soon i thought, I thought it was further along than it actually was but i uh, hope you all enjoyed that uh, go check out glitch techs on netflix now um it is a, it's a fun show and and as chris can attest to your kids will check it out and it's a lot like ghostbusters there's a lot of wish fulfillment in there and things that they'll really be into. But, um, but ordinarily, this is where I would throw it to Mr. Chris Stewart for his final thoughts. Uh, but um, last week was was kind of a mess uh, for a few reasons. And uh, Chris and I didn't actually get a chance to, if you didn't notice, record our usual uh, opening and closing uh, before and after Dan's uh, episode. And that is 100% my fault. My brain was mashed potatoes. Uh, and up until about 24 hours ago, i uh, it's all been a blur. I, I feel like uh, a boxer who's punch drunk out there and was just like seeing everything in triplicate and that din of just like <laughs> was basically everything that I heard. Everybody sounded like the trombone uh, adults from Charlie Brown <laughs> to me. <laughs> Um so I know it's it's been a it's been a week for a lot of people um I know that uh there's been a roller coaster of emotions for a great many reasons um and uh w- wanted to just end on some closing thoughts here uh for for all of our listeners because we love you all and uh we know that that you share very, uh, similar sentiments that we do. Um, we're, we're all Ghostbusters fans. We're all friends. Uh, we're all, uh, sympathetic and empathetic people, and we all care about each other and we care about each other's needs and emotions and, uh, sensitivities. And I, I just want everybody out there to know, um, that, uh, as, as much as we don't try to put politics and, and anything in, into the show, um, that, uh, you know, we're, it, I, I really feel like we're on the right path here. We need to, we need to end this virus. We need to get over this. And, uh, and I hope that everybody at least sees some sort of optimism uh, uh, in, in at least some sense of the word. I know that there's not a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel. We've talked about it here for Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, continuing to move out. And that has always been my light at the end of the tunnel. I've been so excited for that movie. And when that just keeps pushing further and further out, it just feels like the finish line, for what we're going through right now just keeps pushing further and further out too. So um you know again I know that there are a, a wide variety of emotions right now from uh, elation to anger to uh depression to joy to uh, and and that's just life in general. Um so I just I, I will continue to encourage everybody out there just uh, keep your ears open, keep an open mind, uh, keep listening to uh, to your fellow Ghostbusters fans and your fellow uh, neighbors all around you. We're all human beings, damn it. Uh, someday we're all going to realize that. But um, at any rate, uh, I don't want to get too much further into the weeds here. Uh, LEGO, November 15th, that's coming up this week. So if you really want to uh, pick that up, make sure that you've circled that on your calendar. Uh, glitch Text, check that out. And uh, next week, Chris and I will talk more LEGO stuff and whatever other news happens to come uh, on the horizon that's that's ghostbusters related i will clarify that right now <laughs> but uh, all right everybody uh until next week we'll see you on the other side Who you gonna call? thanks for joining the Who ghostbusters interdimensional cross rip visit us at protoncharging.com uh, ghostbustershq.net and still playing with toys.net
5: Everything you're doing is bad.
3: I just want to let you know that.
5: We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue.
1: Next week, though, careless Cats. We're so dumb.